0: I didn't have much ability to kind of use some of my creative juices and all of my spiritual gifts in my workplace. I kind of had a lid on it. So getting into church work really enabled me to use more of those gifts more effectively.
1: Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal? To inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Today I welcome Craig Mattis to the podcast. Craig came to church work from a 15-year career in the printing business because of his deep desire to share God's Word with people. He's passionate about developing Christian community that blesses people beyond the church and gives the Holy Spirit an environment to do God's life-transforming work. Craig has published a 40-day devotional and small group study titled Meet Jesus. He's also part of 5-2, a network that fuels Christian entrepreneurs who start new to reach new. Craig, thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank you, Tina.
1: The question we always get started with is if you would share your faith background growing up.
0: Yeah, I grew up um, in a Christian household, went to Lutheran grade school, high school, eventually college too. And I would say the way in which, um, you know, I was discipled from my family, from my church. I mean, I really can't remember a day when I did not know and trust in Jesus. Uh, it was interesting, just recently, I was looking through some old documents from like kindergarten. And it was hilarious because my kindergarten teacher wrote about how I often wanted to talk about Jesus, like even outside of God time. And it's like, wow, you know, your personality doesn't change so much. You know, there's ups and downs in the faith walk, but it was neat to see God was already doing some big work on me at a young age.
1: Yeah, so that was evident really from so young. So as you moved into adulthood, how did your passion for sharing God's grace develop?
0: Well, I think, you know, I really in college is the time that I really felt this, this spirit kind of rekindle my faith in him. Even his grace coming upon me, I was falling into a real critical nature, like maybe through high school, beginning of college. And that was, from, that was even from some of the folks I was kind of hanging out with. And then when I joined in on a Christian community at college, I just started reading the word daily. I wasn't even like trying, oh, I should try to change this or this aspect of my life. And one day a person actually made a comment. They didn't use this, they didn't say the word, Craig, you're becoming more graceful, but it was, they actually made a comment, wow, I'm seeing you being a lot less critical. And I was like, that is just amazing. That is entirely the Holy Spirit, God's word, doing that work on me. And then from that point on, yeah, I mean, my my tone, my mannerisms, posture, Definitely became more graceful. Started a small group Bible study right outside of college. I was meeting people that I was inviting at jury duty in downtown Chicago that I brought in. And so that was some of God's early growings of me being an extender of grace out into my family, friends, community.
1: When the Spirit does work within us, that's just so natural. It just can pour right out in a very organic way.
0: Yeah, yeah. He gets all the credit too, really.
1: (laughs) Now you had shared with me that you were in the printing business mm-hmm. before you came into work in ministry. Tell us about that journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was just right outside of college. Um, I was able to work for this. It was a color separator back then. That was when you would send film to a printer and not files. And really, and it's funny. So whereas I'm in full-time ministry now, we're certainly all missionaries and ministers wherever we are. It was a neat, neat opportunity where, um, I had a supervisor who did not go to church, even was critical of a fellow employee who went to church often. So he was leading a three-person team, our supervisor, my friend, Jim and I, both Jesus followers. God got to use this opportunity. And one time there was a Chicago Bear player who was gonna speak at a large church in our area. We invited our supervisor to come. He came and then God just did some amazing work. And so, and then this gentleman Uh, Became a Christian, became baptized, and he was going to church two times a week. So it was just so funny how God was doing that. So I was definitely doing ministry during those 11 years. It just became, God was just making more and more clear as I was getting more involved in my church. I didn't have much ability to kind of use some of my creative juices and all of my spiritual gifts in my workplace. I kind of had a lid on it. So getting into church work really enabled me to use more of those gifts more effectively.
1: What differences did you experience as you came into church life as a full-time vocation?
0: So I was doing customer service production work, and you've got orders that come in, and when you, I would see a project through, and you give it to departments, and they're getting paid to do their job. Then you work for a church, and you're involved with volunteers who <laughs> don't get paid, <laughs> And they might be on their own timetable too, as well. So that was I remember uh, my last church uh, leading the small group ministry. I brought on a coach who was deep into the business world, and he had like ten leader small group leaders that he was ministering to. And he, I was seeing with him, he's like getting really frustrated because they weren't all complying as he wished they would. So I was kind of, and I already been doing church work at that time, for probably six years. So, yeah, I kind of learned through that. And you just have to um, work with people where they're at, disciple them, pray for them, be patient, be humble, and let God's Spirit do his work on people. Take some humility, patience.
1: We learn it's not really our (laughs) timetable.
0: Yeah, it's definitely his. Yeah, And he's working on all of us at different timetables. So, Mm -hmm. as as much as he is, we have to think back, God looking at us and how patient he is with us. And maybe reflect that back on others.
1: Absolutely. So you and I have known each other now, I'm going to guess around 15 years.
0: We're not counting, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> right, but yeah, right, right, right.
1: I've been watching. So you've been writing now for mm. quite a while.
0: Yeah.
1: How is that shaping how you're thinking, how you're developing your own relationship with yeah. Jesus?
0: Oh, well, it's funny because I started out, I mean, I had been kind of discipled from some spiritual leaders, authors, and I got into like journaling regularly once a day. And that worked for for a good time period. But it's funny, you know, social media has its pros and cons. On the pro side, for me, I started like each day putting a little, like I think I was going through Ephesians verse by verse a day. And that's where people are, they're doing life on social media, whether that's good or bad. And it was an interesting opportunity. You're engaging people. And there would be friends of mine who they needed discipline to be in the Word. And I would I remember I was going through one daily devotional that I was kind of really writing each day as a, on Facebook. And uh, he wanted me like to tag him every single day. So that was a way to use that. And then it's just been neat. Like it's so crazy again how God can use a medium like this. He's used it to reach, I had a friend from college not a Christian who found me on social media, like 20 years later, Um, he's in South Korea. He has since become a Christian, but we're able to have those kind of dialogues across all that space. And he's used it. um, I've got friends, you know, other States in the country that he's used that medium to reach, encourage people. I just got reconnected with a relative, a handful of relatives uh, who are now following me daily. And that's been one of kind of the neat things about putting uh, these daily devotions on social media. When I know I've got some like followers and some people that God's put on me a heart to disciple, I want to be on it every day. So it's kind of a graceful accountability. It it keeps me on track. I miss some days, certainly, but it helps me kind of keep going with it. And then Mm -hmm. it's fun. Like when there's notifications, I can reread. Like right now I've been going through a chapter of Psalms every day. So, um, it's been a long time. I think I'm, in, I'm on Psalm 133, so I am clearly close to wrapping that up.
1: How did the writing on social media and that consistency of writing, what really was the prevailing circumstance or issue or question that led you to begin writing the book?
0: I wrote one book. It's not published yet, called The Jesus Words. And I was going, at the time, I, wasn't, I was looking for a series on like Jesus's Red Letters, and there wasn't anything that I was finding. So I'm like, I was in a small group and I'm like, I'm just gonna write that myself. And that was like a 60 day devotional. That went through John, Gospel of John. And then I just kept going through the New Testament. I saw um, the author of the book, Speaking of Jesus, Carl Medeiros speak at a uh, 5-2 conference a few years ago. And in his book, he just, it's so inspiring. He goes about his daily life, just weaving in Jesus, his friend, Jesus, his God, Jesus, to whomever he's speaking with. It could be Muslims, baby Christians, unchurched, postmoderns, whomever that would be. He, it just becomes a regular part of the fabric of his life. And I thought that was so inspiring, but I'm at this conference going, not everyone is where Carl Madera is at. Carl Madera is spiritually. Um, they might know Jesus a little bit, but there's some big discipling opportunities. So I I even messaged him, too, when I finished the book. So I, I went into it with this kind of twofold approach. One, for our own spiritual life to grow in him, let's spend daily time, let's go for 40 days, getting to know different characteristics on who Jesus is. But then in a twofold approach, as we are getting equipped, knowing who Jesus is, we are then better able to share with those we encounter at a coffee shop on our block, on who our friend, who our Savior Jesus is. So it's kind of that, it's on one hand, a way for you to be in the Word daily, and, it t- and Meet Jesus takes us through um, lots of Luke, though it does jump around through the Gospels. It does then help you have something to share, like, you know, my friend Jesus here, who's the Messiah, who, or the, he's the rescuer, he's the grace giver. We can share that with our friends through different circumstances.
1: What's transpired from getting the book out there, How are people responding? What are you hearing back?
0: Well, a really cool thing just happened last year. So at my church, uh, St. Paul Lutheran Church in Aurora, Illinois, we did it. I was so grateful. I had already written the book. And then I asked our pastor, hey, could we go through this during Lent? He's like, let's go for it. Like, that is awesome. We printed everything in-house using all of our copiers, everything. And it became our sermon series for Lent. I think that was 2016. This time last year, I was speaking, I did a session at a 5-2 conference in Michigan. It's funny, I was speaking on, speaking of Jesus from Carl Madeiras. That's a resource that 5-2 was using to equip folks who want to start a new thing, whatever that would be, to reach new people for Jesus. So at the end of the session, I just passed out some free extra copies of the book that we self-published in-house at St. Paul. And then it was like June, June last year, so I get a call from um, a small group leader at a church in Michigan. And they're like, hey, Craig, we got a copy of your book. We want to do it for our small group series in the upcoming fall, which was this past 2017. And I'm like, cool. And I go, I didn't have it. Again, we did it in-house. So I talked to Bill Woolsey from 5-2. I'm like, Bill, hey, could we get this published? I want to give kudos to, to 5-2 as well. And we've got some promotional pieces in, inside the book to help people better understand the ministry of 5-2. Um, he says, like, let's go for it. And so, and they had 600 adults go through that book. They started out kind of incrementally. I think their first order was like 250. And then as they were getting the word out last summer, I keep getting, okay, Craig, we need another 50. We need another 100. I think we got to maybe 400 copies actually printed because you had some like married couples sharing the book. On the smaller scale of things, um, my wife has been using it. She's been discipling two young ladies who really came to faith maybe six months, a year ago. And she's been using it. So it's a 40-day devotional. You could read it, you know, 40 days in a row. And after every seven days, there's like a small group of questions to discuss. They just take one day's devotion every week when they meet and just unpack that. So these are newer Christians who are being discipled to to learn more and more about who Jesus is. So it can be done in these various ways. So those have been the two big things that I've seen happen.
1: One of the things that's making me think about is there's a couple aspects to this. One right. is the process of writing and developing that and kind of yes. finding your voice. Right. and developing the initial manuscript. Then there's desire for, oh, we want to use this. And so now there's a whole nother element of getting the book produced in a form that you can easily send it to people. You talked about what you did to take the first step in calling somebody who had already been that route. Who's come alongside you in the process of publishing your first printed work?
0: we had a, a graphic design person who helped put the, get, put the thing together. And I actually used some of my same graphics that I used at St. Paul, but it was able to package it in a nice thing. Uh, so yeah, 5.2 definitely was just huge and helped me get that on shelves.
1: As people have purchased it and read it and used it, I'm curious about the feedback you're getting and the shifts people might be making in their own walk with Jesus. Yeah. What is shifting for them in maybe how they used to be in relationship with Jesus that maybe this book is just helping them take a different perspective to the relationship? What are you hearing?
0: I guess the thing I'm most closely hearing is probably with the ladies that my, my wife is disciple. They met at a coffee shop not too long ago. They were outside and I was inside. But uh, when I came to their table, I was just saying hello, just to hear how these ladies just better understanding grace, better understanding Jesus's love, better seeing God not as this God that's far away, but one that we can have an intimate relationship with.
1: What do you feel like are lessons that you're learning in the process?
0: The book, it includes, there's a time for like an outreach opportunity. So if you're listening out there and you're a church that's interested in grabbing this book, doing it as a series, I wish I would have hit harder working with our groups to really, really living out. And so instead of just reading the book, taking it in, practicing, really apply it to their lives, not just even singly, but how can they apply what they're learning with their group, and to be in the community, being that presence and help, you know, helping really, because we have Jesus living in us. So we carry his presence wherever we go. So I would gently push that, that envelope more. I wish I did that.
1: I'm wondering what you're learning about yourself as Mm -hmm. you write and put those thoughts that are birthed out of you out into the world for other people to start to engage with.
0: Well, I guess I just learned that I don't have all the answers, and it's just so important that we're in the Word. Yesterday, I didn't open up my time in the day to be in the Word, and I would say it infected. That infected me. Well, maybe it did infect me. Not being in the Word that day, I am definitely passionate about um, helping people engage daily. The evil one is always trying to accuse and throw throw out lies that try to get in our heads. I remember I was going through a tough time in life and I had a friend who shared, what tape are you playing in your head? And so maybe I was listening to the evil one's voice and I wasn't enough taking in what God's encouraging, graceful, merciful word would be sharing with me to transform my life, to encourage me, to empower me. We don't have all the answers. And so God's word is just so full of wisdom and guidance. And I don't know how I would live my life without being led and guided by him.
1: What are you learning about other people as you see them engage? Um, that we are all on different paths. You know,
0: he's working with all, all of us on different um, tempos. You know, some people might just grow in their faith walk crazy. Some may do it as, at a snail's pace. And I think some of that is involved. And we all have different stories, different things of ways of hurts, issues, how we're raised it impacts us. So, so we can't just impose our... Our life path on another, God is so patient with us. Why did it take so long for Abraham to uh, and Sarah to have a baby, or why did it take so long for for God to call out Abraham to leave his country? There's so many stories in the Bible of things happening later in life. Did He want us to go through certain things, experience certain things to shape us, grow us? I don't know. We're all just so wired up differently. So that's just like the word of caution. So, but of course, you know we don't want to use that as an excuse either to sl- like slow down our faith walk. I use the phrase graceful accountability. You know, let's say you had a I, I want to grow in this particular area of my life, and you, you ask your friend to hold you accountable for that, and he does or she does, and then when you meet next week or meet next month or whatever that would be, and you say, hey, how would that go? And you're like, well, yeah, it didn't really go so well. I didn't really do anything. Okay, well, things happen, and we should be extenders of grace. But then if it's like Three months down the road, you haven't done anything. Well, maybe that's a time for your Christian friend to step in and say, hey, because I care about you and love you, I really want to encourage you and seek what's the word, what's the spirit saying. And you yourself shared you wanted to grow in this area. But I do think we can do that firmly, but layered with grace.
1: I hear it as an invitation rather than a mandate.
0: Yeah, uh, an invitation with a lot of care, not a loose invitation.
1: As I listen to you talk, Craig, I feel like that's a theme in what God is working in your own life.
0: Hmm.
1: So I'm wondering, as you walk with Jesus and get to know Jesus more and more, what are you learning about Jesus and the Father and the Spirit in this season of your life?
0: Sometimes, I guess if I'm going to err on the side of grace or the law, I always want to err on the side of grace, but
1: sometimes
0: you can be too graceful and then it becomes When you're almost too graceful, you become enabling, then that can become destructive in a person's life that you care about and love. I'm learning about finding that balance. We can also increase our intentionality.
1: Where do you feel like God is inviting you into now?
0: That's a good question. Um, Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I've been getting involved in a ministry for reaching Muslims outside of church work, just involved with a Church Organization. It's been neat here at St. Paul. We've got a, uh, an adult Bible study hour. We've been unpacking some materials, actually, from Lutheran Hour Ministries, The Challenge of Islam. We've got about 30 people in our group, and we have had some really challenging, amazing conversations. And, it's, uh, and through those conversations, whereas we're talking about reaching a specific people group, it has brought up, I hope for me, for the others, of how to reach people in this world. So we're having conversations like some things came up, that some folks were challenged in an approach for reaching Muslims. We want to listen to people of other faiths, hear their story. Paul's approach in Acts 17 at the Areopagus, so as he's reaching the Athenians, he was hanging out in that culture. And these folks, you go back to Acts 13, you see Paul doing a different approach. He's reaching Jews. So they've got the Torah, they have the word, they know the history of God. He can touch on those things with Jewish people. But when he goes to Athens, they don't have that. They're Gentiles. They don't have that background. So he's aware of the surroundings. And it's really neat because I was just reading it. Now he says, "Um, You're a very religious people. He's actually kind of almost complimenting them. You've got all these shrines, but then he touches on something that meets them where they're at. Yet I see you following this unknown God. So let me unpack who that is for you. But in all that conversation, he never demeans them. So that's something in our culture because Christians. Uh, people love Jesus for the most part, but they're not so happy with Christians. And we can come across as judgmental, intolerant, lack grace. And some of that's true, and some of it may not be true, but the perception is there. So we have to work through some of those perceptions. We may need to be patient, because you look at the end, only some came to faith, not like the thousands. I mean, you know, there, was, in, there was that impact in other places in the Bible. But so do do we as churches as well? Because it's sometimes sad you hear. I hear um, churches in new starts get cut; their ministries cut short because it didn't take it was too long. You haven't reached enough people. Wow. Well, we're living in a totally different world. We're living in a po- especially in North America, we're living in a post-Christian world. Some of this may take time. I was talking with, I'd met. I was at a church that uh, a missionary spoke. A missionary in Spain. He was there for eight years. And a neighbor knocked on his door. Somehow they had a conversation, and the neighbor said, now I'm willing to talk with you about faith matters. Because I first didn't trust you, but now over eight years, I see how you live your life, how you show love to people, how you engage with your family or your friends. So a trust was built. Now we can talk. Like, wow. That, so that's a, re, that's a reality.
1: It's in the relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be the word doing the transforming work, but it's 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 all of this is gaining the hearing, right? Mm-hmm. That's we want to knock down these walls. So it's God's word, the Spirit will transform these lives. But we, so yeah, it's been a lot of learning.
1: And I hear the reminiscence of Carmadarius's voice that just points to Jesus. Mm, right. You know, it's
0: it, in a very loving. Uh, natural, organic way. That's what I, I wouldn't say I'm even there yet, mm-hmm. but that, you know, uh, is such an example. Uh, mm-hmm. It's inspiring.
1: And developing the language to do that. How are each of us going to communicate that in our own okay. unique way right. based upon our own relationship with God? Right. Craig, if, if you would give a word of encouragement to somebody who might feel, be feeling a, a nudge from God, but feeling timid about that, And whatever way that it might be, how how might you encourage them?
0: When we get on fire for something, we're like, okay, I'm going to go, like, I'm a runner and I started running 2003. I started with, first I just started, maybe I ran around a block and I got up to 5K, then a half marathon. I actually then ran a marathon where I never would have thought I would have done it. I grew incrementally. So I think, but sometimes I'm going to go run a marathon or we start January 1, right, with our New Year's resolution and we set, set this huge bar, which it's not going to be achieved. So, uh, I've kind of learned in coaching through years with small group leaders, even coaching with 5 2. Can we set up like what's a doable next step, like really doable? And then ask a Christian friend to help you with that. And then maybe set up a timetable. Hey, in, in a month, maybe you start, I just want to read the word three times a week. And the, let's, with my Christian friend, I'm going to revisit that in a month because that should be doable. And let's say, and that's just going to be for five minutes. Because, you know, it could be anything. And then when you when you reach that milestone, then it's an opportunity to take a next step. So what's that? Maybe not easy. But what's that doable slash challenging, you know? And then it's ultimately a, it is a leap of faith. And it's interesting, like, and just watch God do things. When God really rekindled my faith in college, and I'm in the word daily, I was all of a sudden, like, and I probably still do, not probably, some self-esteem issues, and I was nervous and scared to speak in front of people. Like this would have been like, Craig, yeah, this would never happen. Having like a podcast interview, that's craziness, not going to do it. But with the Spirit equipping you, um, knowing that you're not in it alone, He's going to do that work, and the Word is going to encourage you and strengthen you, just watch what can happen. And there's just some days then, you'll be like, like again, when I say I give the Holy Spirit all the credit, there'll be things I'll speak in front of a group of, let's say, 150 people. I just led chapel last week at our Lutheran grade school. Sometimes you'll say something and you almost want to turn around like, who said that? That's all God. And then it becomes really exciting because then he gives you these spiritual gifts and he uses those and blossoms and grows those. And that just, then you just do so much more than you ever thought you could on your own. But it does take that first step. Don't do it alone. So I would find that Christian brother or sister who could.
1: I'm it. hearing a theme of he who is faithful with little can be faithful with much. You what? know, those little steps of yeah. of, of faith that can right. blossom into something really significant.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Craig, tell us how, if people wanted to get a hold of your book, how would they yeah. do that?
0: They could go on Amazon.com and find Meet Jesus. Type in my name, Craig Mattis, M-A-T-T-E-S, or you can go to 5-2.com, and on 5 two dot com that's F I V E T W There is a store page, and you can find actually if you want to get bundles of the book. So you can buy, I think, maybe 15, 25, 50 copies. Email address you could reach me at easiest would be uh, Craig.mattis.2819 at gmail.com. The 2819, that's from my favorite Bible verse from Matthew 2819 with Jesus' Great Commission. So in case you're wondering, where 2819 come from? it kind of goes with that. Go out, baptize all nations.
1: That's great. And I'll link to all of that in the blog post that accompanies this podcast. Great. Craig, I want to thank you so much for our conversation today. It's always interesting to see the journey that God takes people on. And how those passions of our hearts can blossom into something that really blesses a lot of people. And so I want to thank you for your faithfulness of taking those incremental steps that blossomed into the work that you're doing, the book that you've written. And I know what God will continue to work through you. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Tina. What a great opportunity. So many blessings. I'm so excited you're doing this podcast. And I pray that it just encourages people to do what you're kind of saying, take that next step and just to be inspired. And when you hear these stories, we do, we, we inspire one another to be Christ's presence in our community. So I just love that you're doing it. So thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Boy, was it evident that Craig's love for God's word began forming at a young age. And you can hear how that theme has threaded throughout his life. I so appreciate his wisdom about taking incremental steps towards a larger goal you can hear how Craig experiences his relationship with God, one that is loving and patient and grace-filled, but not one that leans too far to enabling. And you can hear his desire for many people to know God in that same way. All the resources Craig mentioned in this episode can be found at faithfulinnovation.com. Just enter Craig in the search and his episode will come right up. As you listen to these conversations, Do they prompt questions about what God may be doing in your life? If so, I've created a private Facebook group, the Faithful Innovation Lab, where we consider a question with each episode. Please join us. The questions we'll consider this week are Craig's questions. For whatever God is prompting in your life, wherever you are in process right now, what is a doable next step? And who might you share that with? Who could help you move forward? Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher. Make it a great week and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.